we've had the opportunity to meet and work with a lot of wonderful people. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a match. Oh boy, here we go! Are you kidding me? Out of the gates, this is not happening! By the way, what title would you like? Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. I ain't like a pig! Pumba, you are a pig. Oh. I almost forgot. That's why they call me Thumper. You're listening to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar, and hey, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being part of the Magic on a Dollar family. Uh, Again, my name is David Dollar, and I'm your host here. For the next few minutes, we're going to talk a little bit about Disney, have some Disney news, some Disney rumors and opinions and all that good stuff. Later on in the show, I will give you my, my review be our guest restaurant there in the Magic Kingdom. And at the very end of the show, I have something a little fun for you there after the ending music and when they kind of throw in a few minutes of something, uh, you know, something enjoyable. I think you'll kind of get a kick out of it, uh, although it does have a little sad connotation to it. You know what? We'll get to all that. We'll talk about all that. We've got some great news coming up. We're going to talk about Disney Cruise Lines. We're going to talk about the new Mickey Mouse shorts. We're going to talk about taking over Star Wars, uh, new Star Wars films, actually. Uh, for Kevin Feige, we're going to talk about Disney and the plant menu. And we'll talk about all that good stuff, plus some opinions on what's happening with Galaxy's Edge and some restructuring and things like that. And I'll kind of give you my thoughts on some of that, but that's all to come. Of course, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts. Get us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Stitcher. And, of course, where your favorite podcasts are sold or borrowed or leased or whatever your favorite podcasters. But, hey, you know what? Let's dive right in. Let's get to some news. Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. Disney Cruise Line announcing their 2021 itineraries. Guys, it's still 2019. It's still in September when I'm recording this. It's Friday, by the way. Happy Friday. Uh, 2021. We're already talking about 2021, but new itineraries are coming. New Orleans will be returning to New Orleans. Disney Cruise Line will go to the Crescent City and sail to the Bahamas and the Caribbean. Sailings will include visits to the uh, to the island Castaway Key, uh, and also they're going to be returning back to California and to Texas. Now, the Disney Wonder will go to New Orleans late in January through February 2021. Uh, voyages from New Orleans will have sailings to the Western Caribbean. They'll be making their appearance at Progreso, Mexico, an entirely new port of call for Disney Cruise Line, located on the Yucatan Peninsula. It's a little town, perfect for families. Uh, Families can find Mayan ruins, hidden pristine swimming holes, and much, much more. Early 2021, we'll also see three seven-night sailings to Bahamas and Castaway Key. Now, this is kind of a big deal because typically they only do four and five nights to Bahamas, so doing seven to that area is going to be pretty cool. Uh, 14-night cruises to the Panama Canal sailing from New Orleans. Uh, Guests will also get to experience uh, the Big Easy on board the Disney Wonder as well as ashore. Tiana's Place Restaurant will take families to an era full of southern charm, exciting jazz music and street parties, all inspired by the Princess and the Frog. And, of course, you can visit New Orleans as well right there in the port. Early 2021, the Disney Wonder returning to Galveston, Texas. Galveston, oh, Galveston. And San Diego, California. Guests who sail from Texas will get four and six-night cruises, uh, which you'll get to see the Western Caribbean. These cruises will begin in Galveston and sail to Grand Cayman and Cozumel. Seven-night itineraries from Galveston will go to Key West, Nassau, Bahamas, and Castaway Key. That's all coming. That's all coming over here to uh, to Disney Cruise Line in early 2021. We can start booking these, actually, October 3rd. And yes, 
I do Disney cruises, and yes, I would be happy to help you on your Disney cruise. I actually just booked one a few days ago for a couple of families, and so I got some great families going on some great cruises, some great experiences coming. Just let me know. Of course, I am your magical travel planner, your favorite magical travel planner, magicundadollar at gmail.com. Now, if you've been to Hollywood Studios in the last few years, you will notice that as you walk through Hollywood Studios, and before you take that left to go over to uh, Pixar Place and now Toy Story Land and that area, if you went straight ahead, you'll walk into a theater where you will get to see Star Wars Path of the Jedi. And that's also where Chewbacca has been meeting. I think Darth Vader has made a return there. I believe that Kylo Ren was there, and now he's moved over to Batuu. Uh, But uh, you will see Star Wars Path of the Jedi, and it's really just a movie kind of showing clips from all the Star Wars films with with Jedis, with Jedi Jedi battles and lightsabers and things like that. Honestly, it's one of those shows that you could take or leave. People ask me about it, and I just tell them, you know what, if you need a nap, if you want to go and just sit in the cool theater just for 20 minutes or whatever, that's kind of what it was. Honestly, the last three times I've seen it, I kind of slept through it. It's not a, it's not a bad show. It's just, it's all it is is a clip show. It's all it is is a clip show from all the, uh, all the Star Wars films. Well, it's going away. The big cheese in charge at the House of Mouse, that is Mickey Mouse, will have new attractions at Disney World's Hollywood Studios with Mickey Shorts Theater joining uh, Mickey's Runaway Railway. And, of course, Mickey's Runaway Railway is going to be where the Chinese theater is. The Mickey Shorts Theater will be replacing Path of the Jedi in the ABC Sound Studio Theater. Now, when you say ABC Sound Studio Theater, honestly, I had to think about what theater that was. When I saw Path of the Jedi, I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what it is. But anyway, they're going to be showing they're going to be showing films. Now, they haven't really told a whole lot about what's going to be happening here. My guess will be there will be some meet and greets, probably meet and greets with Mickey and Minnie from the characters that will be in the Runaway Railway attraction, which will be in the Chinese theater. But I don't know. We don't know what, what that looks like yet. But we do know that Path of the Jedi uh, attraction will be going away and the Mickey Mouse Shorts Theater will be opening sometime next spring. Star Wars fans, we've got Rise of Skywalker coming in December, and that's going to kind of close out what's called the Star Wars Skywalker chapter of the whole film, which is basically nine films, kind of the Skywalker saga. Uh, But Kevin Feige, who has been uh, helping the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's kind of been the... I don't want to say the brainchild, but kind of in one of the main stars of the uh, the cinematic universe for Marvel. Kevin Feige is kind of in charge. Well, guess what? He's been tapped to do a Star Wars film. He's a huge Star Wars fan. He's going to be developing a new Star Wars movie as a Lucasfilm president, Kathleen Kennedy, makes new plans for new projects in the uh, Star Wars universe. Now, of course, with Rise of Skywalker ending... They've got to have something coming for Star Wars. And they've got, you know, live-action stuff. The Mandalorian's coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, they have, you know, new cartoons, new episodes of, of Star Wars series coming as well. So, you know, in a statement, uh, studio co-chairman Alan Horn said, We are excited about the projects Kathy and Lucasfilm teams are working on, not only in terms of Star Wars, but also Indiana Jones and reaching out to the other part of the company as well. With the close of the Skywalker saga, Kathy Kennedy is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling, and we know what a diehard fan Kevin Feige is. It made sense for these producers to work together on a new Star Wars film. That's all we know. We know it's coming, but we'll see what happens. Kathleen Kennedy, of course, is a Lucasfilm president, so she's kind of the she's kind of the Kevin Feige of, of Star Wars. She's kind of been in charge of the Star Wars films, um, and so Kevin Feige will be making a new film. We'll see what happens. Vegetarians mount up. Uh, hundreds of plant-based dishes are coming to Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resorts now. They're looking for new ways to bring flavor, innovation, and creativity to Disney dining. And guest feedback has been saying, we want plant stuff without meat, without dairy, blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're bringing fun and flavorful options made from plant-based ingredients like vegetables and fruit, grains, nuts, seeds, and legumes. And all of these will be made without animal meat, dairy, eggs, or honey. 
October 1st at quick service locations and October 3rd at table service locations is when these will launch. They'll have the, the plant-based menu icon uh, on the menus and introduce new options at the theme park and resort hotels, including steamed Asian dumplings from Oselye, which is plant-based meat dumplings served with bok choy, Chinese long beans, red peppers. Uh, the Felucian Garden Spread from Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo at Galaxy's Edge. You'll get chili-spiced fried tofu over at Satuli Can- Canteen in Animal Kingdom. Plant-based cashew cheesecake from California Grill at Disney's Contemporary Resort. I'll be honest with you, I'm a meat eater. I'm a carnivore to the nth degree. But that plant-based cashew cheesecake, that actually sounds really good. And I wouldn't mind trying that at all. But these all start October 1st on quick service and October 3rd on uh, table service locations. You should be able to see these menus popping up everywhere. And final bit of news here, some, uh, some, some crazy news going on. They're restructuring at the top of the Disney hierarchy. Disney Parks president stepping down amid low Galaxy's Edge attendance. Catherine Powell, the president of Disney Parks, has resigned her post uh, amongst disappointing numbers at Galaxy's Edge. Her position has been eliminated, and she will work to assist her staff in transitioning to reporting to Bob Chapik. Now, I'm reading this report off of InsideTheMagic.net, but I've seen this in various other places as well. Catherine Powell, president of Disney Parks West, has resigned her post amongst disappointing numbers in attendance at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Uh, Galaxy's Edge, which opened in May of this year, and Walt Disney World Hollywood Studios in uh, uh, August, have fallen short of the projected attendance its goals. There is a number of reasons for this, and I want to kind of give you my opinion on this uh, before we go back to Catherine Powell. Number one, Disney was doing everything they could to get people to stay away. Uh, and they, they were expecting so many crowds. They were expecting so many people. They were trying to, to do things to make the crowds kind of even out so there wouldn't be like this flood of, of people coming in. Uh, you know, so they were trying to do some stuff. They were blocking out dates on annual pass holders, blocking out cast member dates, things like that. They rose the prices. The prices went up. And so that wasn't good. Um, you know, so that didn't help at all. Uh, people, of course, seeing this and seeing what Disney was trying to do, they decided to follow suit. They stayed away. They wanted to stay away because, and I've heard this as a travel planner, and I know many other travel agents have heard the same, that they're basically saying, well, we don't want to go right now because it's going to be way too crowded for Star Wars. We're going to avoid Star Wars. We'll go next year. And so there's that. Also, one ride opened in both parks. And so the second ride, Rise of the Resistance, opens in December in Disney World. In January in Disneyland, people are saying, we want to wait till both rides open. We're not going to go now because we may not go back next year. So let's go in December or January or February or next, or next spring where we can ride both of them. And finally, the 50th is coming up. In a couple of years, Disney World will be celebrating its 50th anniversary. All the new stuff is coming. The Gardens of the Galaxy coaster, the Tron coaster, uh, Remy's uh, uh, attraction over in France in Epcot, Mickey's Runaway Railway is to be opening next year like we talked about a few minutes ago. All these new things are opening. We have uh, you know new, uh, new attractions. We have new hotels, things like that. The people are waiting. People are like, well, this is going to be a big vacation because I know a lot of people who only go to Disney World once, maybe every two or three years. So when they go and what they get to do is very important to them because they don't know when they're going to go back. And so people are waiting. And that's part of the attraction as well. To say, and I've heard people say this, that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge itself is a disaster. It's not. The land is incredible. It is an incredible, incredible area. It's an incredible attraction. Uh, Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, uh, various mixed numbers on that, mixed opinions on that. People like it. People don't. You know, they look at the crowd calendars, and they see, oh, you know, Pandora's Flight of Passage. Uh, it's got a much higher wait time. Slinky Dog has a higher wait time. I'll be honest with you. I like Slinky Dog a little bit better. I like Flight of Passage and Pandora a little bit better than I do Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run. And I've, rode, I've ridden it three times, so i got to have an idea of what to expect. 
But it's still a fun ride. That doesn't say it's like it's not a disaster. We're not talking Stitch's Great Escape here. We're talking about a really, really cool attraction where you're piloting the Millennium Falcon. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal to me, and I really, really enjoy the ride. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the ride's terrible. It's not. The ride has nothing to do with why people aren't coming to Walt Disney World because it's not just that land. It's across the board, which means people aren't coming overall. They're not skipping Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and going to other parts. They're just not coming to the land because of all the reasons I just mentioned. Finally, I will say this. I've often talked about a tipping point that Disney World had. The Disney World would raise the prices to one point of some point of, of per day, per month, per year, or whatever the prices would be for annual passes, for tickets, things like that, that they would raise them just enough where people would kind of step back and say, you know what, I, I'm done. I can't pay that price. I'm just, I'm finished. I want to go, but I, I'm, I'm finished. And I'm questioning as to whether Disney has finally hit that point. There are some parts, some days of the year where if you bought a one-day ticket, it would cost you upwards of 160 bucks. Five years ago, 10 years ago, you're paying $90, $95. I remember, I remember doing a podcast with a friend of mine before this podcast started when, when, um, you know, tickets were approaching $100, and we were talking about that three-digit figure, and what would what would be, you know, what would be the, the tipping point? Wow, what if tickets got to $100? I would love for tickets to be $100. It just is one of those things that's just, it's, it's happened. Disney World will not lower prices. We know that. So what they've got to do is they've got to increase the value of what you're going to get. They're not helping themselves now by cutting all the entertainment, and it is fourth quarter. It is fourth quarter, so... Fourth quarter is that time of the year when they have to kind of scale back because they want to be projections, which is why we're getting all the entertainment cuts. The Muppets are getting cut. The uh, uh, you know the the Burundi band over in Animal Kingdom are being, are being cut. Uh, and the, when I say the Muppets, the uh, the the great moments in history with the Muppets at Magic Kingdom. If you've never seen that show, heard that show, stick around. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But um, it, it's 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 entertainment. It's street from the sphere. Great entertainment that makes Disney so good that's being being taken away. The photo pass boxes. The photo pass boxes are just insanely terrible. Uh, and, and if I can just rant for this for a second before I kind of get back to close all this restructuring out. What they've done is they've taken PhotoPass photographers out of meet and greets with a lot of characters, and they put these boxes in there. And these boxes really are just set to take pictures. I was wondering if maybe they had a cast member aside that would kind of push a button, you know, to help take pictures and stuff. No, the, the thing is just automated. It takes pictures on its own. What you're missing is you're missing all those key candid moments. One of my favorite shots ever is when I had uh, my son and I um, – you know, my son and my wife and I were meeting Elsa, and he loves Elsa. He has the biggest crush on Princess or Queen Elsa. He just does. And there was this moment when he grabbed her hand, and they were looking at each other, and he had this big grin on his face. And he took her, her hand, and he kind of put his face against it, like hugged her hand, you know? Um, it was this beautiful moment we have on film because a PhotoPass photographer was there to take those pictures. A box will not get that. A box will not get that picture. And that's why... That's why it's just terrible. It's really, really terrible, and it's it's one of those things that I don't know how they're going to fix. I'm hoping they get the guest feedback because I have not seen a single positive, positive thing about these boxes. Not one – and I'm on Disney boards a lot. I'm on Disney Twitter a lot, looking a lot. I have not seen a single thing talking about how good these boxes are. None of it because it's just – it's terrible. It's terrible. So I'm hoping Disney will kind of right this ship, kind of get this thing back under control. I'm not a fan of Bob Chapik. He's kind of the heir apparent to Bob Iger, who's in charge right now. Uh, Bob Iger has done some incredible things with the company, and maybe it is time, like Michael Eisner, who's stayed on a little bit too long, maybe it's time for Bob Iger to step aside. He's, Bob Iger's the one that got in Pixar. He's the one that bought Marvel. He's the one that bought Star Wars. He's the one that worked all this stuff together. You know, So maybe it's time for new fresh blood. 
but I don't want it to be Bob Chapik because, and I've, I heard another podcast talk about this yesterday, and I completely agree. Bob Chapik is about the cash. He is a money guy, and he doesn't seem to fully really get the Disney theme, the Disney magic. And it's those people that, that ask me, why do you go to Disney so much? Why, somebody asked me a Ashley message, and they were being honest. They weren't being hateful. They weren't being a jerk or anything. They were seriously asking me a question of, why do you love Disney so much? I don't get it. Why would I pay all this money to go stay in line to ride like four rides in a day? Well, that person didn't get it and has not been in a long, long time because with planning, that's not really how it works. That's why I have a job, to be honest with you. But I think it's one of those things where Bob Chapik is one of those people like this person that doesn't quite get it. I don't think he hates the company. I just think he sees this company as a very, very good, profitable company. And it is. How else can we increase revenue in this company rather than saying, okay, how can we make magic for our clients, for our customers, for our guests? And in that magic, the money will come in. That's my take on Bob Chapik. Just saying. Catherine Powell is a 15-year veteran of Walt Disney Company. She was in charge of Disneyland Paris, Disneyland in Anaheim, California, and Walt Disney World uh, in Orlando. She came to the company in 2004. Well, she's stepping aside. Her position is being eliminated, and it's going to be absorbed into Bob Chapik's role, which we'll see how that goes. Uh, but coming into position, not that position in particular, but coming into a position over, uh, over Parks, will be Josh Tomorrow. He's the president of Disneyland Resort in Anaheim. He'll be taking over in November as president of Walt Disney World. Uh, and he'll be replacing George Calagridis, who will move on to a new position. I know all these names are kind of running together and all the positions are running together, but this is kind of a big deal. They're doing some restructuring here and kind of moving around. Uh, Josh Demero, who will now be taking over Walt Disney World. A young lady named, named Rebecca Campbell, who's worked for Disney for 20 years, leading operations in Europe and the Middle East and Africa, will be taking over Disneyland. Now, this is actually pretty exciting. I don't know a lot about either one of these people, but I'm really – it's always good to get fresh blood in. It's always good to get new people coming in to say, you know what, let's let's see what's going on here. Let's see what everything looks like, and let's kind of get some things corrected. Let's continue some awesome things, you know. That's, that's pretty cool. So there is some restructuring going on at the top. Um, and, of course, you know, you had my take there on, on the whole uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We'll talk about this more in the f- coming future. Um, as as I get guests on and stuff, I might start asking them a little bit about what they think about the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And, and on, I'll be honest with you. It's going to be fine. It is going to be fine. It is. As people start rolling in, the attendance will go up. Uh, I know that it will. Prices will probably go up as well. Thank you, Bob JPEG. Uh, but attendance will go up. I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, I'm not worried about Galaxy's Edge. Once Rise of the Resistance opens, it's going to be a free-for-all. And I think it's going to get very, very busy there because Rise, from everything I'm hearing, is an incredible attraction. I've seen some of the some of the previews on YouTube and some of the, the video online of how, how great this ride is. It's technologically just so advanced. It's going to be one of the most advanced rides that's ever been created. I'm looking forward to this. Now, when it comes to new attractions, one of the main differences in Disney and Universal if the Universal will open up an attraction, they'll just they'll get it ready, immediately open it up, and they have problems with it. But it's open. Like Hagrid's uh, Motorbike Adventure opened up in June, had massive problems. The wait times were 10 hours to begin with because they had no system of letting people in. They just, hey, y'all get in line. And that's pretty much what it is. Everybody's got in line for 10 hours and rode the ride. When it when it worked, it kept breaking down. There was a point over the summer, the busy summer. They were openly, only opening the ride from like 10 or 11 in the morning to about 3 in the afternoon. That's it because that's all the ride could handle. So while while Universal gets their rides open immediately, they have no plan other than just y'all get in line. And uh, they don't. A lot of times, I don't think their their rides are ready. They just wanted to get it open and then have it there, and they can fix it as it goes. 
Disney World is a little bit different. They had this virtual queue for Star Wars, which from what I understand, they really only used the first day or two, honestly. Uh, this Disney virtual queue for Star Wars, they had a plan in place to keep crowds to, crowds to a minimum. At Disneyland, uh, they uh, they actually had a queue they opened, they used for, for a couple of days um, where it was kind of a, it was a virtual queue. You go on your My Disney Experience app and you log in and you get a time to come back. So it was kind of keeping the crowds even instead of just this horde and flood of people coming all at one time. And also, they take a long time to build a ride, but when they build a ride and it opens, it usually stays open. They don't usually have a ton of problems with it. There are some rides they do, that some rides that continually give them problems, which is why I think Primeval World may be closing pretty soon at Animal Kingdom. For Galaxy's Edge, it, takes, it took a long time to open it, but now that they've opened it, it's it's rolling. And I'm hoping the same thing for Rise of the Resist- Resistance when it opens in uh, December at Walt Disney World, January at Disneyland. I'm hoping when it's open, it will stay open. There won't be any, any problems with it because you're going to have a lot of people going down there. I'm going again in January to Disneyland to uh, to ride that ride and to experience Disneyland as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. So there you go. There's my take on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. That's the news. News and opinion all rolled up into one. I don't know where in the world you'd go to find other news that just is full of opinion and not really facts. But uh, hey, there you go. So let's talk a little bit about, a little bit about B our guests be our guests be our guests put our service to the test it is over in magic kingdom it opened several years ago it's a highly popular restaurant now for uh for breakfast and lunch they have quick service and i've had both and i really really like the breakfast the lunch is good too they have a roast beef sandwich that i like and i'm a big roast beef fan so it's a good sandwich breakfast though i'm a big fan of the breakfast i love the the, the eggs and the bacon and uh, the potatoes i love all that now dinner actually is a table service and for table service they have a prefix menu they didn't used to have this it used to be kind of an a la carte you order what you wanted steaks the, the steaks uh, are fantastic there you know so you can just order as you please but now it's a prefix menu adults are 70 dollars, kids are 36 dollars. i'll run through the menu real quick and kind of i want to share with you kind of what what my menu looked like, what my meal looked like overall, and my experience is you go in and, uh, you know, you check in, and it's a it's a two-credit for table service uh, meal. So if you have the dining plan, it will cost you two credits per person. So something that happened a couple of years ago as well because Disney uh, Be Our Guest Restaurant was impossible to get. So they figured they beef it up to two credits and open it up a little bit. That is what happened with La Cellier over in Canada. For the longest time, it was impossible. You could not get La Cellier at any point in any time because it was amazing. They beefed it up to two credits per person. Now it's a little easier to get. It's not always easiest, but you can usually find one here and there. Uh, not nearly as hard as it was. Be Our Guest is still impossible to get a hold of. And I think it's because of the atmosphere. I think it's because if you're in Beast Castle and it's people are like, you know, they want to eat at Cinderella's Castle and now they want to eat at Beast Castle. So you go in, you go down and uh, down the, the long walkway into the castle itself. And the way it's positioned is, you know, the castle's on the hill and you're kind of going into the castle. You're going into the Beast's home. You have three seating areas. You have the ballroom. You have the uh, the West Wing, which is a little darker. It's kind of the bedroom. And you have the music room, which is this huge music box in the middle with, with photographs all over the wall, all your paintings and tapestries and everything all over the wall as well. Uh, the ballroom is this beautiful, massive, big ballroom, big chandeliers. And at the very end of it, there's a window. And outside the window, it's snowing. So, you know, it's it's obviously a digital image of some sort, but it looks real. I mean, it really looks like you're looking outside of a snowy France uh, countryside where it's where it's nice, you know, cold weather, and you're in the ballroom, and the music is playing and everything, and it's a very, very beautiful restaurant. The restaurant itself is gorgeous, the way it's done, the way it's set up. Now, previously, you would meet Beast at the end of your meal. After, you, after you're done, Beast would walk around. He would very seldom take pictures, so we don't build this as a character meal at all, because character meals, typically the characters come around to your tables, take pictures, meet everybody. Not here. 
here, you have to go meet Beast. Now, like I said before, they had it where you met Beast at the very end of the meal. Now you do it at the beginning. And I, I kind of like this, actually, because there's no pressure to go meet him. When you meet him, you take the picture and everything, and then you go sit and you're done. For Disney, it's probably better as well, because once the final people of the night are served or sitting, Beast can go away. He doesn't have to stand there and wait until all the people are done eating, all the people are done. And you, you, you go through. Like, there is no, I missed Beast. There is no... You know, beforehand, you know, when you leave the restaurant, you can walk right past him if you weren't paying attention. If you really weren't focused in on what's going on, you just walk right on past, and then you're like, what happened? I thought we were supposed to meet Beast, and you got to go back and find him and blah, blah, blah. Here, you walk through the Beast's quarters. So you meet Beast, or you can skip him if you want, but you're making that decision to walk through and walk past him. So the menu itself is, like I said, 70 bucks for adults. It is uh, 36 for children. Um, you get a choice of the prefix menu for your appetizers. French onion soup. You get mixed field greens. You get uh, assorted meats and artisanal cheese selections, which is uh, chicken liver pate, uh, serrano ham, uh, chorizo sausage, uh, pleasant ridge cheddar, uh, truffle tremor, stilton blue with seasonal garnishes. Uh, you also get escargot as an option. Uh, spiced tuna. I'm not going to try to pronounce the French name for this. And the main lobster bisque. I had the escargot. I'm a fan of escargot. I've always been a fan of escargot. It's it's snails. That's what it is. Uh, herb, garlic, butter, and toasted gremolata is what the menu says, but it's it's snails. And I like it. I do. Sorry. For the entrees, you get the herb-salted pork tenderloin, the smoked ricotta and corn tortellini, the spice-dusted lamb chops, the center-cut filet mignon, the pan-seared sea scallops, and the poulet rouge chicken. I'm a fan of scallops. I'm a big seafood fan, but I knew if I got that, I would have like three, maybe four scallops, and I'd be hungry. So I went ahead and got the filet mignon because it's filet mignon. Why not, right? Uh, so they served the escargot pretty pretty quickly. You know, it was good. It was very, very good. A little salty, but uh, that's okay. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a little little tray of many times escargot was served, a little tray of six. It was really good food. It was very, very good food. A little while later, they served out the steak and the filet mignon. It was cooked exactly like I wanted it. I'm a medium, I'm a rare to medium rare guy, so a little bit more red than medium rare, but I don't want it rare rare. They served the steak with some green beans, and it says seasonal vegetables on the menu, but they served it with some green beans and some uh, Rubichon Yukon potatoes. The potatoes are hit and miss at Disney World and other places. Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. These were delicious. These were absolutely delicious. And like any other restaurant, fine dining at rest- there at Disney World or wherever, they give you this large plate with the food right in the middle, so you got all this empty space, and you're like, why not fill the whole plate up? Uh, but the filet mignon was delicious. It was absolutely cooked to exactly what I wanted. Steaks is a little iffy for me because... You know, a lot of times they'll put spice or seasoning on the steak that I don't know about. I don't know that's what they're going to do. And then, of course, they tell me, well, yeah, we do that to all our steaks. I didn't know that. You know, and I have to scrape it off. And it's just seasoning. I'm not a big spice fan, so I don't like a lot of seasoning on my steak. I want just the steak. The steak was great. It was served really, really, really well. But the potatoes were delicious. I really enjoyed the del- potatoes. I didn't eat the, uh, the 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 green beans. I don't like the green beans cooked like that. They're like long string green beans. Uh, you know, served five or something like that. Whatever. So this, the meal was good. It took a while to get the meal. We were wondering a little bit where the meal was, and everybody pretty much got the filet mignon except for one gentleman at our table, a friend of mine who got the sea scallops. His was served with a risotto, which the risotto was also delicious. He had seasonal vegetables, fried artichoke heart, and uh, basil. Um, He gave me a little bite of a sea scallop. It was really good too, but like I predicted, I think there were three on his plate. So it wasn't like this overabundance of food. It was just, you know, it was a couple of scallops on some vegetables. So the meal was actually really, really good. Everybody at our table enjoyed our meal. There were five of us, and we just all dug in and had a good time eating. Uh, the dessert trio. 
they bring the desserts out in a little thing. Now, I will tell you, I'm not a fan of restaurants doing this. A lot of restaurants, not just Disney World, but other restaurants do this, where they bring out a trio of desserts, a little tray with like three little niblets of, des- of different desserts. I would rather you just give me a choice. Maybe I make the wrong choice. Maybe I don't, but I would rather you just tell me, you know, you have these three choices. Uh, they have the almond raccoon with lemon jam and raspberries. The white chocolate chip cup, which is basically a chip from the movie. It's like a little version of chip in a white chocolate cup. Like, the cup itself is white chocolate with gray stuff in the middle. Uh, and dark chocolate truffle filled with dark chocolate Grand Marnier ganache. Now, you get this little tray, and there are three little desserts on there. Uh, I would have loved a bigger portion of the dark chocolate truffle, honestly. Um, or maybe a bigger version of the chocolate chip cup. The white chocolate was really good. The gray stuff was good. Not a fan of the macaroon. I just I wasn't. I like macaroons okay. I just wasn't a fan of this one. And I didn't like the fact that you had three small nibbles of desserts. You put them all together, and that makes up basically like half a piece of pie. Uh, it's a lot of money we're paying. I want some dessert. Please give me a choice. You know what? And I actually said this at the table. I'm like, I would kill for a piece of cheesecake right now. I would love a piece of cheesecake right now. So when they serve the tray out, they actually served on, on a little little piece of, I don't want to say paper. It's some sort of something covering there on the on the tray itself uh, with the three desserts on it. And the guy was like, and the paper is even edible too. So I ate the whole thing. I ate the paper and everything. And it was, it was fine, I guess. I don't know. I didn't really have a taste to it. So I don't know what they, some sort of fondant sheeting of some sort. I don't really know. So the meal was was good. Um, I really enjoyed it. The service was okay. So when I go to a meal like this, a prefix menu, where I'm not paying for my drinks, they're included. I always get two things. I get a Coke, and I get chocolate milk. It's just one of my things. Whether it's a buffet or whether it's a prefix menu of some sort, if I'm not having to pay for chocolate milk, I'm going to get chocolate milk. That's just how it is. I got a Coke and a chocolate milk. So they brought the chocolate milk out and some water. Didn't get my Coke for a long time. So I took a sip of the chocolate milk. Whatever. So we're talking, talking. Take another sip of it. I look at it and I'm like, or I smell it and I'm like, this is is weird. This is not good. And my friend Meredith across the table from me, she said, you want me to try it? And I said, sure. So she picks it up and she puts it to her mouth and she puts it down immediately and she goes, this is sour. And I picked it up and looked at it again and smelled it. It was right. She was right. It was sour. And you could just smell it. And you just had that like, now it wasn't blood curdling like it's lumpy sour, but it was, it was sour. It had been sitting out a while and it was gross. It really, really was gross. And so, uh, you know, I called the server back over there, and I didn't want to shout across the table. He walked into the table, and I kept trying to motion him to my side of the table because I didn't want to be like, hey, your milk is sour. I kind of wanted to tell him, hey, you know, sir, you're, just so you know. He wouldn't come over, so I just said, sir, your milk is sour. It's sour. It is sour. It's not good. Can I have another one and a Coke, please? Absolutely. He didn't bring it out for a few minutes. He finally brought out the chocolate milk, and then he eventually brought out the Coke. Meredith ran across from me. Uh, she had already finished her Coke. She never got a refill. She kept asking for a refill. She never got one. The service was just, it was just okay. It took a long time to get our checks. We actually expected to be out of there a lot quicker than we were. It's just one of those things where the service wasn't, wasn't great. I've had great service there before. The service was just okay. The food was fantastic. The atmosphere was fantastic. The friendship at my table with my people, they it was all wonderful there. The service was just okay. So but you wanna, if you want to ask me what I think about the price itself, I think the price is insane. 70 bucks is a lot of money for a meal. For me, it is. Maybe some people can drop 70 bucks on a meal and not a problem. And I know people that are like that, that, that they can do that. For me, I'm on a budget. And, you know, when I was down there this weekend, it was just me. Uh, my family was at home. I was with other travel agents, other travel planners. We're all doing different things, including running the WW Challenge for charity, uh, you know, the, the day before. And so, you know, I'm not made of money. I don't have a ton of money in my budget. Unfortunately, this podcast is not sponsored. And so, you know, I'm, I'm watching every penny. So 70 bucks was a lot of money. And once you count the tip in, I 
you know, 82 bucks for the, for the, for the meal itself, 85 or whatever. I, I think I tipped like 17%, something like that. So whatever that math adds up to, was it worth it? I, I don't think so. I don't, I would have loved for this to have been an off the menu kind of thing where it wasn't prefix, where it was a, you go in like it used to be, you go in and order. And I would have ordered a $50 steak. I probably would have ordered the steak and I would have ordered my dessert. I don't know that I would have ordered chocolate milk. Uh, and I would have ordered a Coke. Um, you know, it, it, it's also two credits. Honestly, if you've never been here to to be our guest restaurant, I would advise you to go. The breakfast itself, and let me kind of give you a little insight on the breakfast. The breakfast itself, you get the you get your choice of entree. You get a, the the Gaston, which is the scrambled eggs. You get the scrambled egg whites. You can get the open faced bacon and egg sandwich. The assorted cured meats and cheeses. The vegetable quiche or the croissant donut. You get your choice of that. You know, and also and also the the, the croquet madame, which I've actually had the the open faced ham sandwich topped with fried egg, which is really really good. And the, the the breakfast itself is one price. It's like twenty bucks or twenty five or something like that, which is pretty good. Uh, the lunch entree itself, you get the carb turkey sandwich, the coca vine, uh, the French dip sandwich, the croquet monsieur, uh, the tuna and koi sandwich, the spring salad, and the bean croissant, uh, bean uh, cassoulet, whatever it's called. I'm a big fan of the the French dip sandwich, which is the the baguette au jus um, kind of roast beef kind of sandwich. I, I think it's really good. The croquet monsieur, which is the carved ham and cheese uh, and fries, is really good as well. I, I'm a fan of that. I like the breakfast. I like the lunch. I would say go there for one of those. It's less expensive, and you're using a dining credit and uh, using a quick service dining credit instead of two credits. If you've never been to dinner and you really want to go, I'm not going to talk you out of it. I think it's one of those things that you should experience for yourself, and you might have a blast. You might be like, this is the best restaurant I've ever been to. And a lot of people are like that because when I go do dining, their guest disappears in the first you know few minutes of when the dining window is open at 180 days out, and I'm stuck sometimes trying to find be our guest restaurant for clients when it's already booked up. So I know people go back there, and I know it's very, very popular. So if you've never been, I would encourage you to consider going. It's just not something that I would go back to over and over and over. I've been once uh, now, and I've been once a couple of years ago uh, for dinner. I don't know that I'll go back for dinner unless they change the menu up drastically. Uh, for two credits, I would probably go to Liberty Tree Tavern instead there in uh, in Magic Kingdom. And maybe Ohana Dinner, which is over at Polynesian, which is across the lagoon, which is incredible dinner. I love Ohana. And so it's one of those things where, you know, if you have the money to spend for it, go for it. For me, I love the food, the atmosphere. The service was just okay. For the price, I think I would probably do something else because I've now done this. You know, Columbia Harbor House is a quick service that I will go back to repeatedly. I love Columbia Harbor House. I really, really do. Garden Grill Breakfast over at Epcot. Uh, I would go back to that in a heartbeat because I love the Garden Grill Breakfast. I do. I think it's really, really good. My wife's favorite breakfast is Tusker House over in Animal Kingdom. I do that nearly every time we go because it's just really, really good food. This one's just okay. So there's my review of Be Our Guest. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, you know, take that for the for the uh, for the money I've charged you for it, which is nothing. You know, if you want your money back, there you go. But I uh, hope you enjoy our little review here. Coming up at the end of the show, um, one of the sad things about the entertainment cuts, and I mentioned before how things are getting cut, the Muppets, great moments in history with the Muppets. It's a Magic Kingdom show. You walk out, and I mentioned this last week, how the show is ending. I think October 5th is the final day of the show itself, so sometime next week it's going away, unfortunately. So what I've done is I've actually gypped it from the Internet, from the Googles, from the YouTube I'm stuck at all the end of the show. So if you listen through the final bit with uh, our wonderful, wonderful, beautiful Katrina May Stone, who has a new album out, by the way. I need to kind of promo, promo that more. But uh, she, it's her voice you'll hear saying, thanks for listening, and this is where you can find this, blah, blah, blah. After that, you're going to hear Kermit. 
And it's going to be a seven-minute bit on the great moments with Muppets. And it's Paul Revere. They have two, the Declaration of Independence and Paul Revere. This is the Paul Revere show, taped actually from the first day it opened. Uh, if you go now and see it before August, uh, for October 5th, you actually will have a, a, a town crier out there. An actual gentleman will be out there talking, you know, talking through it, narrating as the Muppets are doing their thing. Um, but this one's just straight Muppets. And so I hope you enjoy that as well. Thank you guys for listening. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening and kind of pushing through my 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 rant and my take on Disney World and Disneyland and Star Wars and so on and so forth um again you know spotify apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, google play and stitcher go to magic on click on the podcast tab to all the show notes from all the episodes are all there rate subscribe review that's how the show grows tell a friend share the, the the post on facebook and on instagram and on twitter but hey i have a podcast here's the episode share that with other people that's how the podcast grows thank you guys so much for listening and you guys hey don't forget thank a phoenician Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Magic on a Dollar, Facebook at Disney on a Dollar, and of course, magiconadollar.com. See you real soon. It's one another great moment in American history! Sir, all ye people gather round and listen well. My friends and I have some of history's greatest tales to tell. Your hair will stand on end with all the history and such. Unless, of course, you're bald like me, in which case, not so much. Oh, hi there, Sam. It's Sam Eagle, everybody. Hey, tell us, Sam, what great American story are we sharing today? Today we shall salute the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Ah, a great story indeed. The ride of Paul Revere, a faithful knight that saved the day. He warned the founding father, but the British were on their way. In their red coats, with their muskets, they were mean and scary too. This is wholesome, true and true. Right, let's bring out some friends to help us. Hey guys, that's your cue. Great moments in history. Great moments in history. And this one features club. And here's what you will take away in all your minds and hearts. Great moments in history. But only the American. Great moments in history. But just the American hearts. <laughs> Greetings, my fellow Americans and others. <laughs> As official historian of Liberty Square, I am honored to present to you a dramatic recitation of The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, with additional dialogue by Sam Eagle. Cue the patriotic music. <clears throat> Let us begin. Listen, my children, to what is going on here? You said chickens. I said children, not chickens. Oh. Shoo, shoo. We're going. Come on, girls. <clears throat> Let us begin again. Listen, my children. And you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Hey, old Paul Revere here. It is not Paul Revere. What? Oh, 
Oh, good heavens. Peggy, it's Paul Revere, not Paula. But it's a starring role, so surely it must be meant for moi. Paul Revere was a man. Correction, he was not just a man. He was a son of liberty, along with John Adams, Sam Adams, and John Hancock. Well, then what part is written for moi? I'm sorry, Peggy, but there's no part for you. Oh, we'll see about that. Uh, sorry about that, Sam. Uh, please continue. Uh, right. Um, where was I? Ah, uh, yes. He said to his friend, if the British march... Hang a lantern in the North Church arch. With a watchful eye, look out for them. To which his friend replied, no problem. I'll hang one if by land, and two if by sea. Great. And three if by monorail, uh, and four if by pogo stick, no, no, five if by unicycle, Fuzzy. six if by registered mail. Fuzzy! Fozzie, are you okay? Uh, yeah, the lanterns lightened my fall. Get it? Lanterns? Lightened? Ah, just hang the lanterns from the church. One if by land, and two if by sea. That's good, because we only have two left. Ah, two lanterns. They're coming by sea. Ah, yes. Now, Paul Revere upon his horse did guide. Oh, where is the horse? Ah, ah, here you go, Kermit. Uh, Donzo, you were supposed to get a real horse, not a stick horse. The real horse got sick. Oh, is he a little horse? <laughs> Does he need some cut stirrup? <laughs> Do I know funny? Nah. <gasps> I have had enough of this kind of nonsense. What kind of nonsense would you prefer? Would you get out of here? Oh, now where were we? Well, I, I am on a, uh, a horse. Ah, yes, sir. <clears throat> Paul Revere, upon his stick horse, did ride, and by the light of the silvery moon he cried, oh, what is that music? <laughs> yourself into the play? That's not how it works. Oh, okay. Then let's see how this works. What? Hi <laughs> well, I'd say that song was a hit. Good thing the lanterns lightened his fall. Ah, good one. Get out of here. I'm going, I'm going. Yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Sam, what's next? Uh, um, right, um, by the light of the silvery moon, he cried. The red coats are coming! The red coats are coming! Where are the red coats? They're coming! The red coats are here! Gonzo, I said no chickens! Aww. But I promised they could be in the show! Maggie, you are ruining this play! I am making it better! Get them out of here, Gonzo! Piggy, enough already! You can't be a red coat! Fine! Then I'm the woman in the moon! Feathers. Why is everyone like that? You are ruining this great moment in history. Kermit, if this chaos 
continues, the show is history. I think you're right, Fozzie. How are we going to end it? Like this.